you know what? Hulu. Because <laughs> because for some reason Netflix is like, let's just get rid of the X Files. Thank God Hulu picked it up. Because like I was broken when <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a massive X Files fan. Um yeah. Hey everybody, welcome back to Freecast. I'm Rob Murray, your host, and Freecast is brought to you by the Free Press Media and recorded at the KMSU Studios on the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. Our guest today is artist Michael Cimino, and I can honestly say he's one of the most interesting individuals uh, and artists working in southern Minnesota, and I know a lot of them. So Michael's work can be seen publicly at any time because he specializes in public art. He's a muralist, among other things. And his work can be seen in Old Town, on Riverfront Drive near West High School, on Mankato's Flood Wall, in Eagle Lake, in St. Peter, in Maryland, and probably many places I just don't know about. Yeah, a couple in Minneapolis. Um, okay. And just um, St. Peter, I finally kind of breaking into that, my hometown, so they're letting there me paint go. there a little bit. But yeah, mostly Southern Minnesota. Uh, he has a master's degree in art from Minnesota State University, and he's um, just all around been making... Southern Minnesota looked better since 2015. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Uh, welcome, Michael Samino. Thanks. Happy to be on here. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. So, Michael, I am familiar somewhat with your work. Um, I think we all in this town have at least seen some of what you've done, but I'm not as familiar with you. So, tell me where you grew up. Okay. Um, so, I was born just outside of Chicago, um, Wheaton, Illinois. It's a western suburb of it. And grew up around there and just a brief bit of time in Chicago um, until I was about five or six. And then for some reason, my parents decided to move to um, about 10 miles outside of Hanska, Minnesota mm-hmm. on a really dirty lake. And um, <laughs> my, I think I think my dad uh, chalked it up to a, a tax reason. Uh, he had a he had a promotional leather goods business and my mom grew up in Essig, Minnesota. So um, I think my mom wanted to be closer to her family. And my dad wanted to be further away from his family. Um, <laughs> so we moved here. And then from Hanska, moved to New Ulm. And that's where I did most of my um, my school was from basically fourth grade through was, um, well, kindergarten through was New Ulm. And then um, lived there, went to New X, New Ulm, New Ulm area Catholic school system, which was 12 years of hell. And then uh, moved on to Mankato and, uh, and then basically just stuck around the area. So, and kind of found purpose here. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, was art a big part of your life uh, when you were a child growing up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll always say that uh, I was never an athlete. I was never ath- academically smart. So, the only way that I could um, basically get the attention of girls was to start making art, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I was, it, all, it all comes down to girls. It really, I was like one of three people in my grade. Um, well, I was the only able-bodied person in my grade who didn't play football. So, oh, wow, boy, yeah. Um, so I was, right, right, <laughs> yeah. Right. That's exactly where it came down to. Um, but no, uh, my mom always encouraged me in the arts. Um, I was always making art since an early age. Uh, I guess like self-making art rather than just being in art class. I was, you know, at home painting or drawing, um, albeit poorly. Um, probably since I was about thirteen. I was just actively making and working on it. I never really thought of it as a as a career until probably 
15 or, or 16 um and that's when I, I i sold the painting for 50 dollars um and after that and like i think like kind of like my first girlfriend came through me painting um and and that was just kind of like okay i can get girls and i can get money painting so let's do this you know like i i wasn't getting attention otherwise and like it was all of a sudden just this kind of spooling of like good things are happening because i'm painting you know it really wasn't this like I mean, I was deeply romanced by art and like deeply romanced by by making it. But there's also these very pragmatic things of like I was getting compliments. I was getting the attention of girls and I was getting money and I was doing it, doing something I really enjoyed doing. So why not just keep doing this? You know, so that's kind of how it all started, I guess. And like every other boy in New Orleans, you didn't play baseball. Oh, no, I played baseball <laughs> up until like seventh grade. But it's also like... <laughs> God, New Almond Sports, it's just like they're all, all, every parent is so like, my kid's going to be the greatest, you know? And then it just spools into them screaming obscenities at the umpire because their yeah. kid got a bad call or the coaches are screaming at the children and it's all so aggressive and it's all so aggro. And it's like, I mean, I would never call myself like, um, I, I, I would never call myself like a guy's guy. You know, mm -hmm. I never really got into the whole guy banter and, and sports and jerseys. Not and, a bro? No, no. <laughs> and like, I just, you know, I always kind of, there's always these photos of me on a baseball field, like posed super dramatically, like, like modeling. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, I was never meant, but my dad tried really hard. Well, I was going to say in New Ulm, um, there's quite a legacy of, really good ball players out there right you know terry steinbach yeah um really i mean if you go to that uh town team baseball field i mean you can ask anybody there because i i did that last summer yeah everyone knows who he is and they just love uh they love their baseball in new Orleans. which um if, if if you like baseball it's a really romantic kind of thing to go and be a part of yeah and, but it's just that just never appealed to you well no it did appeal to me not as a youngster yeah not no you know as as a kid it appealed to me because i was making my like my dad was getting stoked about it right like mm -hmm. i'd i'd hit a home run and i'll always remember like you know i was on like a traveling tournament team playing baseball at little league and like you know making my dad proud was super awesome and then I think there was kind of that, that teenager shift where it's like making your parents proud isn't as important anymore. Right. Right. And right. then it was kind of like, like I started, yeah, I think I really started painting hard, like, like actively around 13 or 14. And I really kept doing it for a long time. And like, um, you know, I guess like in all honesty, like, you know, my dad wasn't around a lot through my teenage years. Um, so like maybe his lack of absence and like him just like not saying anything against me painting probably helped out a lot. Okay. Um, and my mom was always there. So, and she had always, she was a painter. Um, she paints deers like nobody's fucking business, to be <laughs> honest with you. Like the most gorgeous portraits of like deers and scenery. She's an excellent landscape painter and I can never do it for the, for the life of me. Um, but she always just, she was always there supporting me doing it. She was always stoked about me making art in the same way that my dad was stoked about me getting a hit. My mom was super stoked when I'd finish a painting, you know? So do you think that there was a balance there that kind of benefited you? I mean, everybody, every child, every teenager has, I mean, there's a physical part of being a teenager yes. and that's, you can play baseball and that kind of expresses yourself that way. But then your mom's there 
encouraging your art. And yeah. it seems like you might have had a really good balance there with your parents. There was a really good balance there for sure. Um, albeit it was kind of split in time frame. You know, my dad was really encouraging me at a young age and my mom was definitely more of the encouraging factor in my in my later years and teenage years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, there was definitely a balance there. And I think there it my time sort of in sports as a kid definitely kind of shaped how I am as an artist now. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I always want arts to be like stadium sports. Like one, like my dreams one day is to be able to have art viewed in the same way as the Super Bowl. How I have no idea, but I want to be able to like, not that like there's an audience watching, but like that people are stoked about an art event coming up and that they're grabbing a six pack and they're going down and working on a mural, you know, rather than like they're, you know, like they, you know, they, they go out to a golf course and they play or they go out and they do this. And and I want arts to be a part of recreation for everybody that it's a part of people's of, of their, of their pastime, you know, yeah, that it's, it's a, a well acknowledged fun experience for the common public, I guess is where it kind of comes down to. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just so it's crazy when you watch like people watch the Super Bowl. You know they're screaming at televisions. They're yeah. they're cheering for their favorite players, and it's all about usually a leather ball being thrown from one side <laughs> of a field to another. And it's like to me when you lo- I look at it objectively, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Why are people right. so so crazed about this that they're including the most obscure statistics and all of these things? And all these dudes are talking about like you know. The other guy's weight and how big his his muscles are and how fast he is. And I'm like, you are like, this is borderline obsession right. with like, oh, do you know his 40 time? It's like 3.2 seconds. It's like, that's crazy to me. That is, that's genuinely crazy. But then it's like, I know, I'll like, I know more about like the post or the, the 1940s abstract expressionist, like how they died in their funerals. I researched that. So mm-hmm. it's like, you may know how fast a dude runs, but I also like researched Edward Keenholz's uh, funeral multiple times over the course of my life. So it's the obsessions kind of just split. So you would hope for a shift in the way society obsesses. Yeah. Yeah. I or mean, at least, let's, let's, let's sharing them off a little bit. Let's keep the obsession, but let's, um, let's kind of, uh, yeah, let's let's share the obsession. Yeah. Let's split it up a little bit. So I want to ask you about um, something you told uh, so my partner at the Free Press, Diana Rojo Garcia. Um, okay, wrote, wrote a great <laughs> piece <me>. about you. <clears throat> yeah, um, about a year ago, maybe. Um, you 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 told her a story about an encounter with a with a friend's father that sort of um, energized you a bit to uh, pursue yes. a career in art. Would you mind telling that story? Okay, yeah. Again? And, and actually, okay for the for the record on that. Okay, I use the name. I used the name Larry mm-hmm. as sort of a uh, a catch-all for the the father I'm speaking <coughs> about. Okay, so but, the, no, so the okay, so let's go. N- names have been changed to protect the certain per- people. The, yes. Okay, and here's the thing: is I used the name Larry and I used electricity as both sort of common themes. They weren't directed to. Okay, so apparently I knew a dude who was at my when I had, when I did this interview, someone read it from New Ulm, and apparently. In my friends group, there was a guy named Larry who worked in electricity. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this. Oh my god! And 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 Larry didn't reach out to me, but my mom was like, yeah, "Larry's a nice guy." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, no. I really didn't mean it to be anybody. I know the guy's name, but I'm not gonna just call this person. So out. for the record, it's not, not Larry. Larry it's not Larry. It's not. I'm sorry, Larry. Whoever you are out there, I don't. I'm sorry. Um, but okay. So, 
Yeah, at my graduation party, because um, I wanted to be in, uh, right before the end of high school, and I was I was a terrible student. Um, the only reason I went to Mankato was because I I had a two point two GPA and I got a twenty eight on my ACT, um, and they didn't. You can get into Mankato by ACT alone, mm -hmm. whereas at the U or anything else, you have to have a combined GPA and okay. ACT, right? And um, so I got into Mankato, and I was like, well, okay, I was going to go into aviation for a while, and then I was like, math, and um, I hardly passed high school with math. Um, and then, Damn. yeah. <laughs> And then I was gonna be I was gonna be a drug enforcement officer because I wanted to bust meth labs, and I went on a ride along with a cop because my mom worked in probation for a while. So I went on a ride along, and the only thing we did was go to a KFC that had been broken into in New Ulm, and someone had just sprayed all of the flour around the kitchen, and we didn't bust any meth labs. So that was sort of bad career experience. Um, and then I kind of it was sort of the spooling of like. Uh, making money in art, albeit very little. I was like selling like bad Jackson Pollocks for $50, right? Um, it was that and getting girls' attention and like people being like, you're an artist. And I was like, yeah, I am. I'm going to go to art school. And then, um, what was the question again? How so you had this encounter with, with a. With, oh, right. With, told somebody's Sorry. dad you were going to. Okay, yeah. yeah. So get to graduation party. Um, I'm going to be an art student. I'm telling everybody who's, you know, all the parents showing up, oh, what are you going to college for? And it's like, I'm going to go to art. And everyone's like, oh, cool. And they smile and they walk away, right? Mm -hmm. But this man uh, was like, so uh, what are you going to school for? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to art. And uh, he kind of scoffs and he's like, well, what are you going to do with that? And it was kind of like this, like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a fucking artist. You know, and it's like, like the the scoff, which I'll always remember, which was sort of this like like coughing, chortle, chortle. I don't like, you know, like mm -hmm. like he was just like like hacking up something. <laughs> he's, and he's it's getting like, sick at the thought. Yeah, of and it's like and like I to be an artist. You can most people when I when most or a lot of people when I tell them what I do, a lot of them don't take me seriously. In the same way of like, like it's like the I'm a writer, but they don't actually think you're a writer. You know, they think you're unemployed, right? Or you have a real job somewhere. Yeah, and or, you're right. On oh yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, even when I'm painting murals on site, I'll have contractors come up and be like, "So is this just your side gig?" And it's like, "No, this is what I do." I, I mean, <laughs> I got like nine side gigs. If you really, I mean, if, if this is kind of my main thing, it's my main thing right now. It's probably not going to be in two months, but I'll hop back into it. But it's like, yeah, when I when he. Something about that stuck in my head really bad. And I'm really good at working out of spite. Um, like, I don't, I, I, I try, I keep my temper pretty calm a lot of the times, at least as far as anger goes. But like, when someone pisses me off, usually it results in me doing a much better job than if I'm just like coddled and supported for what I'm doing. Usually, someone saying I can't do something is, is usually the leading factor as to why I do it, which. Hence raw fusion, um, hence uh, building motorcycles, um, getting into arts in general. Basically, everything that I'm doing, um, it kind of starts back from someone telling me I can't, you know, in some way or another. So I was going to ask you um, <clears throat> what what brought you to MSU when you kind of already talked about that. Bad grades. Um, and, <laughs> uh, I, and I feel that. Um, no, one, no one really getting me fired up in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you did come here, and mm -hmm. um, and I and I did check out your 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 resume, your your CV online. Yeah, and you, you did very well here. It did. 
um, some somewhere along the line, it must have clicked in for you how to get good grades and study and buckle down. Well, I mean, if you have my transcript, so well, I, I saw your, I saw what you put down as your GPA. Okay, so it was a three point eight seven eight through uh, graduate school. Right. Uh, I think it was a three five through uh, my undergraduate, and it would have been a four zero through all of it had they just let me take art classes and art history classes because like even i was in the the philosophy i think it's logic and critical thinking it's the it's the general it's the math credit but it's not a math class it's a philosophy class that qualifies as a math credit what yeah 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 <laughs> but it's it wasn't there when i went to okay school but there. it's it's weird it's like algebra but there's it's math but there's no numbers and there's words it's confusing as hell okay. so i had to get a c to pass and i hardly got a c to pass um no i dropped out of a lot of classes um i dropped out of chemistry i dropped out of uh psych 101 i dropped out of quite a few of the general education because all i wanted to do was just make art which kind of is the same today it's like all i want to do is make things and 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 work with my hands and, and do things and it's everything else about <laughs> life or getting the general education classes that's what i usually screw up royally but yeah i did really well in art i got you know lots of scholarships and i had a lot of support and um it was a great time i loved it you know you must have done pretty well then overall to have a 3.87 gpa yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I mean, you can't go through getting C's and D's and still end up with a three point eight no, seven. No, I think I got a D in Oceans of the World, which was an on. <laughs> <laughs> which is an online biology course. How many can there be? I mean, how would you screw that up? <laughs> Not caring. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm sure yeah. it's very complicated. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's a. I think there was a lot of things about like the different inlets of water that I right. did it. Yeah. And I right. think there was things like, like I think there was like one inlet of water called a bulge that like I just I remember just joking about, but like royally screwing up on the test. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <Yeah. laughs> so you came here to study art, though, and that was clearly what you uh, wanted to be doing. Yeah. Um, and and I've known. Um, I don't know. I, I can only assume that it's that's a good program because the people that I've known that have come through the program have always been. They've spoken very highly of the art program here, mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not sure how you how highly you speak of it. But I guess my question is, how did your time here change you as an artist? Um, I think my time at, you're at school at MSU. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think it was my second semester. No, my second year. Um. So I started in ceramics. I, I intended to be a painter um, or be a painting major. And then my first semester, all the painting classes were filled up. So I took a ceramics class and I like really fell in love with it. And Todd Shanafeld and Mika Laidlaw were my professors. And Todd got me started, but both of them are very much like, if you're not self-disciplined in art school you're in, and, and working yourself and progressing yourself, you're never going to be self-disciplined enough to be a working artist, which it requires a ton of self-discipline. So um, they showed me the ropes. They got me started. They were always there to help. They were a huge supporting factor. Todd Shanafelt, um helped me build a crate to ship my work overseas to Croatia when I was 19, when I got into an international show there. Um, and, like, we did that in his basement. He, I mean, like, he went so far and above and beyond. But at the same time, he just let me throw my headphones in and learn myself. And it was my second year where he was like, you're your own teacher now go for it. And every time I had a concern, every time that I had a question or I was going off on a rant about 
art history or art theory. He was always there to just listen. Both of them were always there to listen, which was probably the most amazing thing is I had a community of people there who were willing to talk about art um, and talk about the theory of art and to talk about grievances within the modern art world. And I never had that before. You know, a lot of people, you know, art is about, you know, the, the process of the act or making pretty things. And it's like all of a sudden I was really making things that weren't pretty or were really controversial. I don't know if you ever saw the Jesuses that I did. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. It's coming up here. Yeah. So, okay. So that's how good this art program is, is I can make 6,000 Jesus figurines and they fully support it, you know? And like I was doing, um, you know, borderline offensive things. Um, call it just being an agent provocateur or just being a you know young dumb 20 year old but you know i still believed in it and i still do believe in it and they they supported me for sure so i think if you're self-disciplined the art program there is amazing because the every professor there is fully there to help you if you ask and i i teach a lot now and i i still take that same thing as like if you don't ask me then I can't show I can't show you, you know, because there's so much in the art world. It, there's so much to every craft that you can't teach it all. Everybody's got to learn their own way through their their own craft. You know, everybody's brain works differently to the same material. You know, there's a million different ways to make a pot on a pottery wheel, right? Todd Shanafelt's going to teach you one way. Mika Laidlaw's going to teach you another way. I'm going to teach you another way. But you need to learn it yourself. But if you have a question, go ask them because they're the experts. Yeah, I mean, I loved my time there. Hmm, it it completely. Yeah, they taught me uh, how to continue to make art more than how to make art, you know, how to stay focused, how to keep a question in your brain constantly. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Shout out to the art department. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Keeping people focused. I miss them all. Yeah. So as part of your approach as an artist, um, maybe all artists, um, is like confronting people's sensibilities and comfort zones. Um, and you just mentioned your Jesus figurine project you mm -hmm. did. Um Kind of explain what you were doing there and what was what was the reaction you were looking for and what reaction did you get and how'd you feel about that? Okay, um, so what I wanted to do was I wanted to become a, a one-man factory, okay? And, and one thing that I always had, I always, a joke that I had going through Catholic school was the transfiguration, uh, which is the uh, wine to blood, bread to body, right? Mm -hmm. But when you purchase the, the bread and the wine, before the transfiguration, they come in like Ritz pa like packages, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So this is the, here's the. I was a Catholic for a long time. Yeah. I had the Same thoughts. Yeah. So like, wait, what? wait, exactly. <laughs> like, like, there's nothing. They come in a cardboard box. Like, it, it might as well be cereal for this matter, right? Okay. Right. And, I, and I hope I'm not offending anybody. No in that disrespect regard. Yeah. to total Catholics respect. Listening. Exactly. I have a ton of respect to it. I, I, I just this is the objective bit to it. So. Yeah. What I wanted to do was take a very sacred object, the crucified Christ, um, which I had seen in every house and every schoolroom, you know, multiple times a day. It, it, was, it was, you know, that image is shoved down our throat, much like the American flags. One of my favorite things to like, uh, you know, if I could tell people to do to stay aware of their daily lives is to count the number of American flags they see on their commute from their home to their work. Right. Mm -hmm. From St. Peter to Mankato at the university, I'd, I'd count 57 on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Right. That image is so shoved down our throat that we become blind to it, right? So I just started, and that was it. That's all I really needed to just commit to this project was this kind of weird sensibility in my brain. 
Um, and I just started with one Jesus, and I made a mold of that one Jesus, and from that mold I made ten wax Jesuses. I took those ten wax Jesuses, and I made a mold of ten of them, which it was just like one long bar of uh, a one mold with ten of them included. And then from there, I repeated the mold. Um, and I at a certain point, I had fourteen molds with ten Jesuses in each mold. And the clay would dry up and I could separate the mold and pull the Jesus out once every like 25 minutes. My record was I made 657 of them in, in one day. Um, and I reached an approximate number of around six or 7,000 of them um, towards the height of the production. And, um, and then I just got burnt out. And I kind of was like, okay, well, now let's make sculptures with them. And I started making wind chimes and I started doing towers out of them um, in like large uh conglomerate like just just i just they became nothing to me i had so many of them i was rich with just piles of jesus so i was just handing them out i was was that was that part of the point because you were saying it's like shoved down your throat and we see that image all over the place yeah maybe we become desensitized to its meaning absolutely and and like i had so many of them and they were super fragile and small and the ceramic i was using they, they would crumble so easily before the kiln and like ask anybody who was in the ceramic studio at that time when I was producing, there was body parts of Jesus like <laughs> everywhere. And there was one really dedicated Christian uh, student in there who I, I forgot her name, but God, it felt bad. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she looked genuinely offended. And, but it's like, to me, it, it was always just an object, you know? And like, I, I lost the sacred nature of it and I'll definitely cop to like, yeah, I was, tr- you know, I was trying to make edgy art. Um, in a way, I was trying to make something that would make someone recoil a little bit um, because I it's I wanted something that wasn't ambiguous because especially in art school, there's so many kids or um, adults, whoever you want, who are making like super abstract art with like really deep symbolism behind it that if you look at the artwork, you have no idea that symbolism, but you can't say they're wrong because the symbolism is personal to them, right? right. Smear a bunch of pa- paint on it say it's about the government, I'll never be able to say that you're wrong, right? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> and like that was everywhere. And it's like, it's like they're hiding behind the shadow of ambiguity. Yeah. If you don't understand it, Doesn't you, matter. Then, then the artist can't be wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I wanted to put myself on the line. It's like, Jesus, everybody knows fucking Jesus. You in, in like, the art was sure ambiguous, but at least the image was direct. You know, at least I couldn't hide behind the image anymore and say that it was about anything other than Jesus. You know, I had to kind of confront the very like people were like, "What is this about?" Because it is about something. Because I know what Jesus looks like, and this is Jesus. So it's something about Jesus, or it's something about you. Please explain. And I had to, and I had to give pretty real ideas about what it was about. And I had to kind of be personal and say that like, look, I'm really kind of, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't using big words anymore. I wasn't trying to sound smart. It was more or less like I needed to just do this project and be able to tell people like I have religious angst. I have like problems with the Catholic faith or I had problems with the Catholic faith. And this is how I'm kind of personally dealing with them. I remember in that piece that uh, we ran by, by uh, Diana, you and I think this was about this story. You had said you you want a Catholic to come up and punch you in the face. So yeah. there, that that can be a discussion. Yeah, you can get a response from somebody. You, you you know that a piece of art that you've created then got through to somebody. Yes, you and, got and, a reaction from someone. I mean, how many art shows do you show up to and everyone's just politely smiling and staring at the wall? Most of them. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> annoying as fuck. Yeah. I mean, I I I really don't much like going to art shows anymore because they aggravate me because it's it's the same as church. 
Everybody shows up, maybe dressed a little bit better than they normally do. They act polite. They drink wine when they usually don't like wine. Um, and, and, and they act, they act like they appreciate every piece of art on that wall. And that's great. That's fine. Um, but I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of, of the, of the sheep herd where it's like, everything is good. Every art is great. All art is good. And it's like, yeah, but if you hate something, say it, you know, if you don't like something like you're I, feelings and art, man. I mean, if yeah. we could, if we could separate the two, if artists can work without feeling bad, if someone doesn't like it, that'd be an amazing that'd world. Be good. Oh my yeah. God. I'd love that. So at the same time though, you, you can, you know, I can think back, I don't know what it be 20 years ago, the Robert Maplethorpe exhibit, the crucifix in a jar of urine. Yeah. Um, where it's, it did seem like there were elements of just shock value to it, mm-hmm. and, may, and maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. Do you worry about, and your work that you're doing now is not going down that road, but as you were as a college student, yeah. and you're making these figurines, Yes. did you worry that there might be that that element to what you were doing a little bit? In a way. Um, I think uh, I, there was definitely some elitism as to where like um, we, as fine artists, are above Michael Bay, um, or, or or above Hollywood, right? That mm-hmm. we do not have to rely on shock value to sell tickets, right? right? I th- I don't necessarily believe that so much anymore. Um, but at the time, at the time, I think I was just fed up with. I was fed up with making art that was impersonal to me, and I was fed up with not getting reactions. I think I, I I think and then I think your initial thing to do is to just kind of go down the shock value road, go extreme and see what happens. You know, at the very least, at least uh, you can come out and you can say that you made something personal that got a reaction rather than just the cheese filled smile faces of an art show, you know. Right. So, yeah. All right. Let's transition to. Um, <clears throat> The work you're m- mostly known for around here, mm-hmm. your your uh, murals. Yeah. Um, talk about um, the first one you did, and I believe it was in Eagle Lake. Yeah. And what you learned? <coughs> what did you learn from that first first go about the art form? Because I mean, if you haven't done a mural before, there must be a learning curve. Yeah, and it really started with um, a friend of mine in St. Peter, uh, Leah Langdon, reached out to me, and um. We were just kind of just sitting on a, you know, just on a bench talking about public art and she wanted to start doing stenciling projects and I knew how to do a spray paint and stencil and then she's like, let's paint a mural. I'm like, okay, I've never done it before. Sure. Um, and we found, you know, the, the, the Legion and Eagle Lake was, you know, open to doing it and they had some, a little bit of funding from the veterans organization on campus i think it's i forgot their full name but i think the msu veterans club or something like that had you know a little bit of money for materials and time and we basically just made the project so that anyone can show up and paint it that was you know the first mural i did because i'm not a mural painter i was like well none of us know what we're doing let's just bring a bunch of people in so it was a lot of the people in the veterans club um who ended up meeting a lot of them and and had a, a really great time in a relationship with them working with that project um and we just kind of showed up with like 40 cans of spray paint and um, these large stencils of soldiers and just started painting. And we got we got like half the wall done in six hours in like the middle of November. 
and it was fun. It was awesome. And I walked away from that being like, okay, it's a patriotic mural. Um, it's not salacious. It's not scandalous. It's, I wouldn't necessarily call it the most beautiful thing in the world, but everybody walked away from that. So happy. Um, and we, people were just talking about it for weeks. Like the people actually working on it, they were so happy to have done it. Um, and that they had left a mark and it was like a very clear, like, this is the most substantial work of art that I've made. And it really has nothing to do about the aesthetics of it or how it looks. It's that I was able to engage individuals like I wanted to do with the Jesus stuff. But this was in such a much more positive, direct way. Um, And this is that thing about art is that it's almost always experienced by the public indirectly. Right. Um, You listen to a concert, you go to an art show. Right. It's always indirectly receiving it's it is the performers and the audience but when the audience can become the performers when you can empower them and engage them to just show up and i mean like these were these were not artists these a lot of these guys were you know um were veterans from the iraq war who haven't been making art for a long time or, or never had or never thought about it and it took a lot of like come on just come fucking paint and they finally showed up when a few of them did and it worked, you know, and it was like, okay, this is awesome. And then the ball just kind of kept rolling. I got, I got hooked on it. I wanted to keep painting. It had nothing really to do about the ego of public art or the painting process. It was about engaging the people and, and like making friends out of it and getting people stoked about making art who had never been stoked about making art before. So, yeah. So in that, in that Eagle Eye project, um, this might be my, my own personal stereotypes coming out. But, yeah. Um, was it difficult to get, you know, veterans who, you know, maybe had never done art before um, to, I guess, pick up a spray paint can and, and do, it's like contribute. I mean, yeah. did you have to do some convincing? I think the convincing goes, it's like, it's always with any community mural. As soon as one person who isn't me or doesn't look like an artist picks up a can or a brush, then it's a free for all. Then it's then it's go really right oh absolutely okay. it's like I don't know I've never been to a buffet when it opens <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to imagine okay no one's okay no, hold on hold on better analogy it's like Thanksgiving dinner okay no one wants to be the first person to grab a plate if like my mom always puts out out buffet style mm-hmm. right everyone's like, oh, I don't want to be the first person to take a plate. But as soon as one person picks it up, then you got 11 people clamoring into the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. So that was all the convincing it took. And that's, that's like, to me, that is, um, that is like dogma to me now is that it doesn't, I don't have to convince them of anything. All I have to do, and I'll stage people every now and again, you know, I'll get people down there who are just painting right away so that more people just show up. Do you think that's because there's um, <clears throat> maybe an invisible barrier maybe between yeah, there is. The, between the artist and what the artist can do and what a regular person can do? And they'll, 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 they're fine watching you go up to a wall and spray paint some stuff, but until the plumber down the street picks up a, sp- a spray paint can and does it, I mean, then it's like, okay, the wall's been broken down. He's every man. I'm, I'm that too. I can come in there and join him. Absolutely. And like, that's the thing that I like, I hate the most. And it's been sort of indoctrinated to us is that there's the separation between the artist 
and those consuming art or that for some reason I have something in my brain that makes me exclusively a creator and them a consumer of what I create. And it's like, no, like I'm not, I hate the word talent. I, I, I hate any idea that an artist or a creative is anything different than any other hardworking individual. You can be creative. Anyone can in paint. Anyone can be a good drawer. I, I genuinely um, completely denounce any separation between what I do or what skill I have inside of me than, than what anyone else has, you know? Um, and that's that wall that's been put up is like people like to look at the art. And, oh, we can't touch the wall or oh, don't touch the art or, you know, d- don't. We're nothing special, you know? We're just we're just artists. Um, we're contractors. A lot of us, and that that whole romanticism of what that we're different than people is bullshit. Um, so yeah, it requires the plumber down the street. It requires the one person who doesn't look like they should be there, but they have a brush in their hand and they're painting. As soon as that happens, walls down, and it's a free for all. And it doesn't matter who you are, what your age is. They go paint. You know. But if it's just me, no one shows up, you know? I got a question about that somewhere down the line here. I wanted to see yeah. if it's still a relevant question here. Um, uh, we, yeah, we just answered it, so that's, that's fine. We can skip that. Um, <laughs> um, so you were involved in the creation of the Flood Wall mural. Yep. Um, for listeners who don't know, it's actually on, on the wall near the intersection of Riverfront Drive and Main Street. And I know this is kind of dredging up old arguments, but I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about um, maybe the challenges in creating art by committee versus, um, you know, what you do, which is more of an art by community. Yes. But it's always art by committee, too. Um, it's okay. Um, well, okay. Let's. You want to talk about the controversy, or what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about committee first, and then the controversy. What do Maybe we got since it? it's been, since we this word has been mentioned twice now. Controversy. Just tell people in general, basic terms. Yeah. Okay. What we mean by the controversy. Okay. So I was one of five artists. Um, sometimes it's referred to as four artists, but Craig Nagel was on the project as well, and he just definitely worked there constantly. Um. Disclaimer, I am I am not a landscape artist, and yet it is a landscape mural. Um, so my job and my insistence was that this landscape mural, which it was initially designed as, needed to blend into the rest of the concrete wall, right? So the initial design was a 300-foot um, river landscape that would just end. Okay, and then it would just be concrete from there on out, right? To which I I disagreed with that. I I still disagree with that. If if I'm ever working on one wall, it needs to fade out into the nether wall or the thing. I just don't like that design where a mural just ends. I, I then it's not a mural to me. Then it's just a painting on a concrete wall, okay. right? I think you have to acknowledge the space around the mural or the wall itself to to for it to be a mural. I think that's proper. Um, albeit that is my opinion. So. I did the blending of the sides with spray paint, and then we also—I um, don't remember who had the the idea for the fish. 
I really don't. That wasn't my, someone wanted to put fish into it. And I was like, okay, well let's, you know, choose fish indigenous to the Minnesota river. And we made these fish stencils and we kind of blended the fish into color, color into the landscape. And that kind of blended it all from the landscape painting, kind of blended it out into the concrete. Uh, there's, there's older photos of what it used to look like um, on, on the internet. There's, if you Google image, the river wall, there's like, pre and post controversy <laughs> so what ended up happening and this is sort of the art by committee is we finished the mural and uh it's commemorated and uh we have our little sit down and people applaud and good job job well done and i go off on vacation i come back and the blended out parts my my parts that i had worked on um were painted over with black paint so what ended up happening is the lead artist um, made the decision after the mural was done to that she didn't like the fish in the blending, therefore uh, covered them up um, uh, in a cavalier nature. Uh, there was no discussion of it with me or anything like that. Um, so I, I came back from vacation and um, I'd actually turned my phone off for a couple of days and I had like 30 voicemails. And um, who's the dude from NPR? Tom Collins had called me. Mm-hmm. I think it's Tom Collins. No, it's the drink. Bob Collins. I don't know. Some from the News Cut blog had called me. And I oh, was yeah. Like, Bob, yeah, yeah, it is Bob Collins. There is Bob Collins. Yeah, had called me about it. I'm like, what What the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, and then, and then, not to knock the free press or anything, but then there was like a post or like a poll put up. Like, do you agree with the changes to the flood wall? And it was like 70% no and 20 yes. And Facebook, there was these huge comment threads that were like denigrative to both me and the other artists and all of this shit. And I was like, what in the fuck did I sign up for? And then it's it's the 24-hour news rotation right it just goes away like that right it's immediate um but then there was the whole wake of that was like i was because i had then i was supposed to paint at south riverfront in like two months and i'm like oh my god like no one trusts artists anymore in this town and i'm like i'm trying to hold public forums that are like i want to be open and transparent with you no one shows up for them not a single person like i hosted a large public forum to be like look that was a mistake because you as the public who are kind of funding this mural through through grants and things like that should know any changes that are being made to it you know i felt really bad about that and then and i thought people were like you know we're going to show up for this public forum because there was such an uh, 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 an outlash uh, or a uh, uh, yeah a backlash on facebook and I host this public forum and like literally two people show up for it. And it's like in the intergovernmental center and <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking embarrassing. It's nobody shows up. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, well maybe no one actually cares, but um, yeah, the river wall was a really good lesson. I think in the politics that can kind of come into public art, which there is quite a bit. Um, and just kind of dealing with, I don't really work with groups anymore. Especially on the design. Yeah, that was a pretty quick lesson to learn that uh, if it's going to be a mural, um, it's going to be designed usually by me. And then if I have a crew, um, that crew are, are... or painters or organization. I'm a terrible organizer. So usually when I need like a larger job, I have like an organization person who keeps my, my paint and our paint there. And I usually have someone who's like really good, skillfully at painting, but I don't, I don't tend to try and do projects by 
committee anymore. I've done them more, and they've worked out fine in the past, but my definitely my, my ears are perked up to them because artists have egos, and some of them have more egos than others, and sometimes those egos can make you do really foolish things. Yeah. So I try to stay away from the committee jobs. But I just did one in Maryland that was fantastic. Three artists, you know, it was it was awesome time. I let them basically design it um, because I they were three local artists. I said, you know, I was hired for the mural. I didn't know what the people of Maryland wanted. So I was like, if you guys want to design this, I'll just help you guys basically paint it on a massive scale, you know, and that's how it ended up working out. Speaking of massive scale, mm-hmm. um, there's a giant mural being planned for Mankato Hell by yeah. a, another artist, Guido Van Helton. Am Guido, I saying Guido? Guido Van Helton, yes. Um, on the big Ardent Mills silos yes. in downtown Mankato. Um, you sound like you're, you're a fan of I'm so stoked. Yeah. So my, my question was, um, is that the kind of mural, is that something that you would want to do to that scale someday? Or could you have done this? Did you want to be the one to do it? <laughs> that's so, a big job there's this i don't know if it's still out there but someone had taken this photo when we were painting the river mural there's this photo of the whole crew looking up at the silos being like what would we do to that and it's this like <laughs> poke of like oh we're looking because they were talking about it years ago right oh, okay mm-hmm. like since 2015 was the idea of it you know even before that um and i remember the crew kind of like fantasizing about it in my brain being like we have absolutely no idea how to actually paint this and i still don't um guido van helton is a silo painter this is what he does he does nothing else and there is a very specific skill set like there is um there is people in this town who are like why has it got to be some guy from Australia? Or I forgot. Yeah, I think he's from Australia. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah he's from Australia. Yeah, yeah, it's like because he's the fucking best. <laughs> he is genuinely <laughs> the fucking best silo painter in the world. Do you like? I don't even know about where I would hire a boom lift of that height. Let alone my fear of heights to get into a cherry picker that goes up ten stories and then paint a portrait. Like no, 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 no. I would never touch that wall. I could I could go up there and I could tape off some no I couldn't actually I probably physically could not paint that and I would have nowhere to start and he's he's the he's the best and he's super into it and um it takes three minutes of YouTube videos to really realize that this dude is amazing at what he does you know and it's it's worth it it's worth every penny people complain about the price and it's like no I work cheap because I suck like <laughs> I would never call myself a good mural painter. He's the, he's the fucking best. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what's coming up next for Michael Cimino in the next few um, months? What, what are you working on? What big things are happening in your life? Okay. So, uh, recently became the president of the Mankato maker space, which is kind oh. of, yeah. Um, so I, I saw you there just the other night. Yeah, absolutely. I, it was I, a great time. I really believe in the space. Um, murals are great. Murals are fun. Um, I'm still doing those every now and again, um, but I'm really focusing on getting the space to to grow, um, to legitimize, and to just become a really a solid fixture in the community. I mean, we're just a year old, and what basically what we've been able to do in a year is amazing. Um, and I haven't even been on the board for a year. I've only been on the board for like five five months. And what those guys have been able to do over the past three years to get the space, to get it going and operating is no short feat. Um, but, and basically since day one, I've been there to help legitimize it and get the communications up uh, to a more professional standard and just get our overall organization up to a more professional standard. Um, 
I don't know why I'm qualified to do that, but I I, I am, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then upon that, uh, Monday I start a art residency at Solace, which is an apartment complex in St. Peter that is specifically for recent releases from drug-related incarceration. Oh, yeah. Yep. So it's it yep, it's not a drug treatment facility. It's an apartment complex, um, <coughs> but they, it's around support. It is around mm-hmm. treatment. It is around um, sort of finding um, a new psychological well-being there. So I uh, I was um, hired on as their, um, their resident artist, so I'll be there for four months, four times a week um, doing kids art classes, um, adult art classes, um, trying to coordinate with therapy to not necessarily, I'm not an art therapist, a huge disclaimer there. I have no qualifications to do it. And I also believe that art is just in and of itself therapeutic. Um, but it's like, they have no childcare up there. Right. And a lot of the parents, you know, have their kids there. They have no childcare, but they need to find a job or they need to finish their GED, but they have no time because their kids are there. So how do you solve a bigger problem through arts funding is, well, have a kid's art class, right? Kids show up for an hour and a half that gives the hour and a half for the parents to do what they want, right? Or a lot of them don't have transportation. And if you know St. Peter, everything is in a two block radius, right? right? And I'm lucky enough to be live right there in the center of it. But if you're up on the hill, right, they the Salts facility is right up by the hospital. You're a mile and a half from any business, basically from any gas station or anything like that. And there is no public transportation going up to Solace. So let's try and take arts funding and pay for transportation to, I don't know, bring people to the arts center once every Saturday for two hours. If you want to be at the arts center for two hours, that's fine. If you want to leave the arts center and go get groceries or go pick up your prescription or do whatever you want, that's fine you know like being able to solve larger problems through arts funding is like that's the only reason i took this um residency because i did i actually felt i could you know solve larger problems at the facility through arts programming so that's what i'm trying to do up there basically um and yeah um learning to build a motorcycle um (laughs) which is like my new obsession Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is also spooling out of control because i'm like booked for three bike shows um and I have people asking me questions about what I'm doing and will I do it for them? And I'm like, I don't want to build people motorcycles because if this thing falls apart and I die, it's on me. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. But I, <laughs> but it's like, it's like I got, yeah, I got nine different branches right now and they're all kind of working together. You're staying busy. Yeah. That's which is good. great because if I wasn't, I'd probably just be in an alcoholic hellhole. Yeah. <laughs> like I need, it's like if i'm not wigged out on caffeine doing something then that's when i'm bad when i'm idle that's when my life goes to shit you know which is really bad for winter because it's like it wants you to be idle you know and i could very easily like just kind of develop into that just like really sedentary yeah alcoholic lifestyle right. but it's like if i keep like adding things to my life if i keep pushing more things on myself then it just like keeps me further away from the wine cafe at 3 p.m and like <laughs> it's pretty early to go to happy hour well i uh, <laughs> it starts at three doesn't it i maybe i, I don't I, know i do my absolute darndest to stay focused and keep working on things so that i don't become the fictitious piece of shit in my head yeah all right there it is basically that's what i'm up to so I got some weird questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, would you rather have a horrible job, but be able to retire comfortably in ten years, or have a dream job, 
but have to work until the day you die. This whole podcast just answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work till the day I die. Right, right. I'm probably going to die working, probably doing something work related. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm the whole, even the whole idea of retiring is a terrible thought to me. Like, no, absolutely not. Well, I how old are you? Uh, 27. So you, I mean, it's not even, I, yeah, in I get, your headspace at this point. It's, I don't, I don't like, like it is for me at age 49. Yeah. Well, and I have this like really stupid idea of what retirement is. There's like, it's like two extremes. It's like my ties on a beach indefinitely, or it's mm-hmm. like lazy boy chair, New Ulm, Minnesota. <laughs> Prices right followed by <laughs> Wheel of Fortune reruns, and it's like I, and maybe that's the retirement that I saw, and it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Um. But no, I don't want to go down. I want to go down. Um, laying down. I want to, but I, 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 hopefully, die doing what I enjoy right. doing. Yeah. Right. Um. Would you rather give up bathing for a month, or give up the internet for a month? Actually, the internet. Um, I have a mass. One of my biggest phobias is smelling bad. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, like, do you ever? Did you have that smelly kid in high school? Uh, I think. Yes, we've all had, and we all at least one. We all remember him, right? Yep. We all remember him as a smelly kid, mm-hmm. and that smelly kid, like, no one really wanted to hang out with that smelly kid <laughs> because he constantly smelled. Smell is a constant <laughs> thing. I have a huge fear. <laughs> I have a huge fear of being the smelly kid, um, which sucks because I'm a I'm a chain smoker too. So I'm like, <laughs> I'd give the internet up over bathing any okay. damn day. Absolutely, All right. yeah. All right. Um, would you rather re- uh, Would you rather relive the same day for 365 days or lose a year of your life? Depends on the day. What day is it? Like any day? Average. Consciously or unconsciously, um, like ground, like Groundhog Day, like Bill Murray Groundhog Day, like yeah. me and you do this three hundred and sixty-five right. days, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Every day for a year, lose a year. No, I mean okay. not, not, nothing against this podcast, but like, oh man, would that get boring? Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm at a really good point in my life. Like, I'm happy with it for sure. Um, but God, I'd get bored quickly. Oh yeah, yeah. I no, I would. I'm a sucker for progress. I can't. <clears throat> I couldn't repeat things constantly. Would you rather have whatever you are thinking appear above your head for everyone to see? The other option, or have absolutely <laughs> everything you do live streamed for anyone to see? Think about that. <laughs> That's a terrible <laughs> one. Okay, so what I'm thinking is above my head. Yep. But what I'm doing is live streamed for everyone to see. I would rather whatever you're doing. Okay, this may be stepping <laughs> over the line. I would rather see I would rather everybody see the disgusting things I've done than think the disgusting things I've thought about them. Like, okay. can you imagine That's fair. can you imagine like the amount that I mean, okay, human beings just judge each other, right? And yep. sometimes those judgments are just like completely at chance terrible judgments. I would rather them I would rather if they Oh, yeah. No, live stream. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of uh, Freepcast. Thanks so much to Michael Cimino for coming on the show. And thank you. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for putting up with me. Have a good one.